Hallelujah. But praise God, you can go ahead and be seated tonight. We're going to be continuing a course that we started several weeks ago on the ministerial office gifts. And uh, I'm going to go through just a little bit here what we talked about a few weeks ago and uh, maybe so we can get caught up and then we're going to go a few steps further. So the ministerial office gifts is found in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Well, what were those gifts? Those gifts, verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers These are what we call the ministerial office gifts or what you may know them as the five-fold ministries. The apostle, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Five of them tonight. Now, tonight we're not going to focus on all five. We did that before. We'll talk a little bit about them. But we are going to be focusing on that first one, the apostles, But before we do that, let's go ahead and keep reading here. Verse 12, what is the reason for the fivefold ministry? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We remember it's not that the fivefold ministry would do the work of the ministry, but that rather they would perfect the saints so that the saints may do the work of the ministry, right? Hallelujah. And and this goes along perfectly with the idea that I presented along these lines that it would be, sorry, I'm getting text messages from my boss. I'm going to let her know tomorrow that uh, she's texting me while I'm behind the pulpit. But um, (laughs) this goes along with the, the idea that we presented a few weeks ago that the offices, although absolutely God calls individuals into these offices, The purpose of these offices is to establish a vein within the church, a a mission, an idea within the church that needs to be presented not just by one man in one office, but that that one man in that office would spread it to the rest of the people of the church and would help to perfect them that they too can walk in that anointing and that calling. Praise the Lord. I'm getting ahead of myself already, already preaching, but but that just goes along that same mindset. So they are there to help to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we all come to the unity of the faith. Everybody say unity. That is key in all of the fivefold ministry. Unity is truly the main goal and idea. We would have the fivefold ministry and it would appear that all five being so different would contradict each other. We'll see even tonight where at times the scriptures show that they cause division. But as the fivefold ministry, God placed all five into the church not to cause splits and divisions, but rather so that we can have a balanced church and be brought together into the unity of the faith. Praise God. Everybody say unity. 
Unity. So all this talk, everything we're talking about with the five-fold ministry and all of that, let's remember the ultimate goal is unity. That's the ultimate goal. And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is what we want to see in those that the fivefold ministry is ministering to, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Now, that's a pretty grand uh Task that the fivefold ministry has, but man, hallelujah, how important is it that the fivefold help us to be grounded in the truth and in the word of God, that we be not tossed to and fro. How many of you tired of seeing people leave the truth and leave the church? Hallelujah. Praise God. If that's your desire, that's your burden, then I'm telling you, the fivefold ministry is exactly how the Bible says that we would do it, that we would help people not be tossed to and fro or carried about with the wind of doctrine. So these ministerial office gifts, the goal, to, to put it plainly, the goal of the fivefold ministry or ministerial office gifts is to help saints mature in the Lord. What does spiritual maturity look like? Well, the Bible says it involves the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of Christ. Perfection according to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then it offers us the idea of stability in faith and doctrine. Now, we broke down the fivefold ministry by presenting it in the way of a, a body. My wife encouraged me not even to say the differences that I have on the screen, but I thought, you know, you guys are so attentive. I know somebody's going to catch uh, that I changed it a little bit. So I'll just go ahead and tell you today. I did change it just a little bit from what I presented a couple weeks ago, having done more study on specifically the prophets and the teachers uh, and God kind of showing me a different perspective. But let me just break it down. The apostles are the legs of the church because they keep the church moving forward. Amen. And we'll talk all about the apostles today. The evangelists are the hands of the church, the arms of the church, because they're the ones who are reaching for the lost. Amen. Hallelujah, the pastors, the heart of the church or the body because they're the ones whose job it is to love the saints, to care for the saints, to protect the saints. That's the heart of the pastor. Certainly the heart of the church is the pastor. Amen. Then here's where we get a little bit different. I put on the last part that the prophets were the mouth and the teachers were the mind of Christ. But today, I'm going to do it a little bit differently. I believe the teachers is the mouth. They're the ones communicating the oracles of God, the scriptures, teaching the scriptures that we may be grounded in the truth. What I said last time wasn't wrong. They are communicating the mind of Christ with the mouth of the church and the body. Amen. 
And the prophets, however, was a little different. I wanted it to be a little bit more clear as to the role of the prophet. The prophet isn't meant just to be the mouthpiece of God like the teacher, but they are the eyes of the church. They're constantly looking forward to what it is God has for them. They're the ones who are looking at the spiritual realm and not just the physical realm. They're seeing the things that you and I cannot see. They're perceiving in the spirit the will and plan of God in a supernatural way. They are the prophets of the church. Hallelujah. So although it isn't essential to label individual ministries, we don't have to walk around and say, okay, Sister Smith, she's, you know, obviously a, a pastor at heart, or Brother Victor's obviously a, an apostle at heart, or we don't have to walk around and say, okay, now you're the evangelist, Brother Louise is the teacher. You know, we don't have to do that, right? Because we don't have to walk around and take on these things. Again, I recognize we call the pastor something, but that's because these titles right here are spiritual roles and titles. The role of the pastor, that is not only a spiritual title, but it is a secular title. People know when they walk into this building, a pastor is simply the head, the bishop, the elder, the leader, whatever you want to call it, over that congregation. That's why in Scripture, in fact, and we'll talk about it, the word pastor is hardly used in Scripture. It uses the word elder more often. What it means simply is somebody who is just simply the leader of the church. Our modern language, we use the word pastor, and that's absolutely acceptable because it's the same idea that the Bible's trying to communicate. But these are spiritual terms. So don't worry about trying to say, well, I have to be a pastor or I have to be an apostle. It'd be great if we were balanced in all five, right? Hallelujah. But if God begins to lead you in one way or the other, just let God use you in however he wants to use you. Amen. If you've got a passion for the lost, then reach with all your might. If you've got a passion to teach, then speak with all your might and let the Lord use you. Understanding the role or office that I hold can make me more effective in it. And ultimately, that's why we are talking about this today, because we're not here to, to designate who's who. We're here simply to explain this is how the body of Christ needs to operate. If you're called to be an apostle, this is what an apostle is, and this is how you can operate in it more clearly. It's not to put ourselves in a box, right, and say we can only be this or only be that. In fact... As I already communicated, I found the five-fold ministry to be more departments. When it means, says offices, it, it meaning more of a, of a department. These are roles that men and women play, they serve in, in order to communicate that role or continue to, to let that thing stir in the church. The prophet is supposed to keep the eyes of the church on the spiritual realm and the supernatural. Amen. 
Hallelujah. The teacher is supposed to keep the church mindset on teaching and discipling and, and grounding people in the truth. They keep the church in that perfect unison of all departments. It is important that we understand that these are areas the church absolutely needs to focus on. And whether or not you're designated as an evangelist, you can recognize, I still need to do the work of an evangelist. Amen. Hallelujah. Just like if you work in one department, sometimes you got to go and do other departments, right? Now, I know I, I dislike, you know, bringing up my job right now. I had an interview today. Praise the Lord. Pray that it, it goes well and I get a call back on it. Uh, but at Dunkin' Donuts right now, I, you know, I'm, they, they pretty much have hailed me the king of the sandwich station because I'm the, the one who's able to do the sandwich station without any issues. Everybody else has a lot of hard, a hard time doing it. But because I am the king of the sandwich station, it, it would appear, I also, because I do it with such ease, can't just sit there on the sandwich station. <laughs> I end up over there doing coffees for the coffee person and taking orders at the POS station and all that because I can't just remain in one area when I'm seeing a lacking in another area. This is making sense here today. Hallelujah. So even though I may feel called to be an apostle, I sometimes I have to step in the role of a teacher in order to teach the Word of God because there's a lacking in it. Let me tell you something. If you're called to the ministry and you end up starting a church, an apostle usually, and we'll talk about it, an apostle usually has to fill all the roles because they're the only ones who are leading in that church at that time. Hallelujah, I can tell you while pastoring here, although God has, has more and more moved me into that role of the pastor, I have been used in all five, not because I'm great, but because it was essential, because we had no other preachers and leaders, no other in, others in the fivefold ministry. So at the end of the days, these are departments uh, that we need to see carry on in the church. God certainly calls men to fill these roles. But they are there to keep the church focused in those areas. And it's not meant to be one person, right? It can't just be the pastor who's reaching out to the saints and caring for the saints and encouraging one another. I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm the only one encouraging and praying for the other people in the church, we're never going to grow. And it can't just be the evangelist who's going out and preaching the gospel, no, we got to go out and preach the gospel as well and do the work of the evangelists. We need to share the responsibilities of every role, even if God has called us, given us a burden for specific roles in the church. Is this all right today? How about we clap our hands to the Lord? All right, defining the offices of the fivefold ministries, we're going to speak about the apostles today. An apostle, or in the Greek, apostolos, is literally someone sent. That is what that word means. Someone sent. <clears throat> so it makes sense that the apostle is 
the legs of the church, right? The apostle is someone sent. They are sent with a commission. Uh, They are a messenger. They are an ambassador. They are a commissioner. They are not just simply somebody who just goes out the building, but they are somebody who is sent to push the mission forward. Amen. Now, the Bible talks a lot about the 12 apostles, and let me be very clear here. Jesus Christ chose 12 apostles to establish the church at the beginning. These 12 men were eyewitnesses of Jesus' ministry, his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. These 12 had unique qualifications and a unique role. No one can take the place of the 12. Amen. Even the New Jerusalem has 12 foundations named after the 12 apostles. Revelation 21, 14, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations and in them the name of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now we cannot replace the 12 apostles. However, the important roles that they played in the church in that day, we can still walk in those important roles today. Hallelujah. Because it was their responsibility after Jesus had ascended to stand up on the day of Pentecost and declare to the 3,000, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. They were set to move the church forward from the very beginning to be leaders over the entire congregation of Christ Jesus, uh, whether it be in one location or multiple locations. And that's exactly what a, an apostle does. Again, we, are, we cannot, no one will ever replace the 12. However, we can still walk in that role because the Bible tells us that there were several men and women in the Bible that uh, fulfilled the role of the apostles. I'm sorry, I thought I had put this in here. But the New Testament identifies other apostles besides the 12. These include Barnabas, Andronicus, Junia. Those are probably a husband and wife team. Apollos, James, the brother of the Lord, Silas, and Timothy were all named apostles in the scriptures. So it wasn't just the 12 there were many men who were named as apostles in Scripture. So some people will say the role of the apostle ended with the twelve. Now I recognize again that they served an important role uh, that is greater than anything we'll ever take part of. That That's that unique uh, role to begin and start the church out. We can't replace the 12, but that doesn't mean the role of that apostle, the, the, the need of the apostle still isn't in the church. Uh, today, it is still important. In fact, the Bible talks a lot about apostles. The word apostle is used 79 times in the New Testament. 
79 times. Now let's compare this with the rest of the fivefold ministry. The word prophet is used 45 times. The word teacher is used 12 times. The word evangelist is used three times. And the word pastor is used only one time. Now we, again, have already established the word pastor also means elder or bishop, which is used several times in Scripture. But this is just to reflect again how important the role of the apostle is and how that that role has not diminished. We still need apostles today. Everybody say amen. We still need apostles today. Praise God. You see, because the apostles focus. I'm going to move past that because we'll come back to that. There's a lot that he said there, praise God. The apostles' focus is on the mission. They are uniquely called to carry out the commission of Jesus Christ. Now, again, I recognize everybody must carry out the commission. Everybody does. But the apostles' focus, their main focus beyond anything else, uh, is always the mission. Mark 16 and 15. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now you and I, we should have a desire and a passion to go and reach our city, right? We should have a desire and a passion to go and reach our family members. But the apostle feels so passionate about this. They say, well, no, we can't stop at our neighborhood and we can't stop at our family. We got to go beyond that. We got to reach people who've never been reached before. We got to reach groups of people that have never got a preacher before. We got to go to countries that have never witnessed the gospel before. Come on now. Hallelujah. I'm talking about apostles who say, I will travel the distance in order to see the will and plan of God done in this world. Hallelujah. They see the big picture. The world is their mission field. Not just one area. Not just one group of people. They see the big picture. They make plans to go out and start churches. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. In fact, the Bible tells us this is, and we'll go back now. This is exactly what the apostles did in the New Testament. The apostles in scriptures were pioneer missionaries and key regional or ethnic, ethnic leaders. They were so important in that role. For instance, the church at Antioch sent Paul and Barnabas as missionary, pioneer missionaries, and they became known as apostles even though neither of them were part of the original 12. Acts 13 and 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. 
And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. There's that word, sent. Now, I want to make sure I'm clear here because we're going to talk more about it in a minute. The apostle should never be on this mission by themselves. The apostle should be sent by the church as a concerted effort to reach the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the process that God has designed. That is the biblical process. Somebody is called to reach and go beyond the church, go beyond the city, go beyond. Hallelujah. Somebody's called to do that where the church gathers together. And when they fast and they pray, and that's confirmed within the church, then they gather together, they lay hands on them, and they send them away. Praise God. I can't decide one day, you know what, I'm a missionary. I'm going to leave and go and do this. Uh, I mean, again, you can do that, but but you're not going to have the anointing that comes when the church lays hands on you. You're not going to have the support that comes. I had a man tell me not too long ago, you know, Pastor, and this was some, this was a while ago, let me say that. Uh, and he said, I have a, a burden and a passion to start a church uh, here in, I believe it was poor St. Lucie. I said, that's awesome. We've got a burden and a passion to do that. There's nobody here, so don't even look around. So that's awesome. We've got a burden and a passion to do that. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, I'm not going to get involved with your church. I'm just going to do it on my own. But listen, if you come, submit yourself to the church. Let the church take you under their wing. Become part of who we are. We will send you out. We'll send you out with our blessing. We'll send you out with our prayers. And maybe even send you out with our finances. Because that's what the church does. Can I tell you he decided to go ahead and do it anyhow? And he doesn't have a single person. I'm not, I don't gloat in that. I'm not happy about that. Because there are souls in Port St. Lucie who need to be sent. But oh, if he would have just connected with the church and hallelujah, allowed the church to send him, how much better would it have been? How much could he have reached his city and at least done something a little bit more? Praise God. Is this all right here today? Likewise, James, the Lord's brother, was not one of the twelve, but he was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. The Bible calls him an apostle. Galatians, oh, sorry, I didn't finish this. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus, which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, see, now it calls them apostles. Now that they've been sent, they went out. Now they're called apostles. Uh, But James, the brother of Jesus, the other of the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. So James was hailed as an apostle, even though he was not part of that original 12. And it was because he served a role as a leader of leaders. He served a role that he was able to send out. 
These are the two roles of the apostles that we see quite often. Those who keep the mission moving forward by going and those who keep the mission going forward by sending. Those are the two key roles of the apostle. And can I tell you, it is so important that we have the apostle that keeps this moving forward. Matthew 24 and 14, it says, In this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. We've talked about it a lot here recently. Often we sit around looking at God saying, God, why haven't you come yet? Where are you? Where is your work? Why haven't you come? Why? We're waiting on you, God. And God looks down on us and he says, well, I'm waiting on you because before I come back, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the gospel's got to be preached unto all the world before the end comes. And how are we going to reach that goal without apostles in the church? How are we going to reach that goal without people whose vision is grander and bigger than just what they see right here? We need apostles that are going to move this forward. Going to move the gospel forward. They're going to desire not just to go and preach the gospel like the evangelist, and we'll talk about that extremely important role, but they're going to desire to start churches in different areas, start Bible studies in different ethnic groups. This all right? Because they've got a burden and a passion for those things. The apostle is constantly communicating and pushing the vision of the church. They're always, well, guys, don't forget this. Guys, don't forget that. They're always pushing, well, we got to get take this further. We got to go beyond. They're the ones who are saying in the middle of the leadership group, no, no let's not put our, our goal at 10 baptisms. Let's put it at 100 baptisms. There's nothing wrong with that. They just have a grand vision for where the gospel is meant to go. But if we're going to have that kind of a vision, we have to have that kind of a commitment, right? Hallelujah. We can't just have the vision and not work to accomplish that vision. This is why the apostle is so important. It's because Proverbs 29.18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. We need the apostle. That's going to keep looking forward and saying, No, what we have now is not enough. We need more. We need this ministry. Let's look at it on a local level. This ministry is not meant to be this way. It needs to be greater, grander, bigger. We need to pursue something that is beyond what we see right now. That is the apostle. The apostle is often obsessive about the mission. And this also may result in conflict 
amongst the church. Their obsession about the mission may cause issues because they're so passionate about moving the gospel forward, about moving the gospel forward, the church forward, that they sometimes rub people the wrong way. They're easily aggravated at the church. Is this all right? Let's be real now. Hallelujah. Easily aggravated at the church. Why aren't we doing more? Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we sending more money? Why aren't we preaching more of this area? They're obsessive about the mission. Listen, I've always said it, and you guys know this. I'd rather you have a... a fire, you, I'd rather you have to rain you in than to have to set a fire underneath you. Praise God. If you get obsessive about the mission, go ahead. But also recognize that sometimes not everybody else is going to have that same vision. Paul, who was a true apostle, I believe Paul is probably the greatest example of an apostle, of, of an apostle, modern-day apostle that we have in Scripture. Of course, the 12, is, uh, they're great examples, but in the modern sense of that word, I believe Paul absolutely was the greatest. He says, uh, or Acts 15.36 says, And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Wow. You got to remember, that that seems so easy to say, but that would take them months to accomplish. Miles and miles they would have to walk. That's big vision, right? That's moving the gospel forward. That's an apostle's mindset. But look at this, verse 37. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought it not good to take him with them. Who departed, Mark, departed from them, from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. Now, the the Bible actually tells us this situation. Acts 13, 13. Now, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, Paphos, they came to Persia and Pamphylia, and John, John Mark, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Now, there's a couple of different mindsets as to why John Mark may have done this. I'm not going to sit here and conjecture because the Bible doesn't say. But let's be clear. Paul was upset and angry with John Mark. He said, look at this lazy man, hallelujah, who left us in the middle of the missionary journey to return to Jerusalem. There's some who believe that maybe John Mark went back to Jerusalem to actually tell on Paul and the fact that he stopped preaching in the, the, the sanctuaries in the cities and went straight to the Gentiles. He stopped even dealing with the Jews and went straight to the Gentiles. Somebody, some people believe that. But whatever the reason, Paul said, listen, this is the mission and we got to keep moving the mission over. And as soon as somebody dis, agreed with him. (laughs) 
He said, all right, fine. You're just discounted. I'm not going to take you on any more missionary journeys. You're nothing to me. You don't have vision. <laughs> See, some of y'all, you might still be new at this, so you've not seen that, but I've seen it. I've been that. Hallelujah. I said, why is everybody buying into my vision? Why did everybody see how important this is? Remember having youth nights when I was a youth pastor, having some people on my youth team call me and tell me just a few minutes beforehand, oh, sorry, we're not coming. We had other plans. And Why don't you see how important this is? Why don't you see how that frustration, we're all common with frustration, right? We all recognize frustration. That's the apostle in all of us saying this is supposed to move forward. This is the missionary work. We got the mission. We got to keep moving it forward. And if John Mark can't see it, I don't even want to bring him with me. But ultimately, that was not the right decision. Acts 15.39 tells us, and the contention was so sharp between them, not just John Mark, It was sharp between Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas being Paul's leader. And I believe in this situation, Barnabas turns more into a pastor than he did an apostle. See, because it says the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark left Paul and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren and to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Ultimately, this moved the gospel forward because now they were going to two different places. However, somebody, even even as today, even in our own ministries, when we've got a passion for the ministry, we've got a passion for the missionary work, we can't become so aggravated that we write people off who are not catching the vision like we have. Is this all right here today? The apostle has that burden and that passion, but we can see where Paul grew, he matured. And in time, he even recognized John Mark. In that Colossians 4 and 10, he actually names John Mark and tells them, Touching whom ye receive commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. He's speaking there of John Mark uh, or Marcus sister's son to Barnabas, talking about because John Mark was Barnabas's nephew. He also told in Philemon 123, he says, Marcus, in verse 24, oh, I didn't include verse 24, but it says Marcus in verse 24, and at the end, it calls him a fellow laborer. Just because everybody doesn't have your vision doesn't mean that they don't have vision. And just because not everybody's part of your plan 
doesn't mean they don't have a plan and is it being used by God. Hallelujah. So even if you do have that burden and that passion, make sure you're not causing division within the church. Ultimately, the, the apostle must exercise humility and remain submitted to spiritual authority. Let me be very, very clear here. I don't believe the fivefold ministry, the ministerial office gifts, are meant to be a hierarchy in the church. I don't believe that one bit. They're meant to work in unison to fulfill the will and plan of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Because Paul, again, another example, this is later on in his ministry. He tells, we know that he considered himself the apostle of the Gentiles. He specifically had the vision to take the gospel to the Gentiles. However, in Acts 21, it says, When we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. The Jerusalem were the leaders of the church. That's where James was who was the leader of the church. That's where Peter was. That's where all the other apostles were. So when he came to Jerusalem, even though he's the main one moving the gospel forward, everybody's sitting tight in Jerusalem, he still submits himself to the plan and will of his leaders. Verse 18, And the day following Paul went with us unto James, there he is, and all the elders were present, do therefore this, sorry, it skips a little bit, but this is the elder speaking, it says, do therefore this, that we say to thee, we have four men which have a vow on them. Them take and purify thyself with them and be at charges with them that they may shave their heads and all may know that those things wherefore whereof they were informed concerning thee are nothing but that thou thyself also walkest orderly and keepest the law. What's going on here? These are Jewish vows. And they're telling Paul, take these four men and practice your Jewish vows. So that everybody can look at you and say, you know, he's not so, he's not against the law. He's not against Jews. I know he's the Gentile, the, the apostle to the Gentiles, but he's not against Jews. I can only imagine <laughs> the anger that Paul probably felt. You got to remember, this is the same Paul who withstood Peter to the face because Peter wasn't treating Gentiles right. And now they're telling him, go act like a Jew. (laughs) Do things that you don't even agree with anymore. It might not go against your faith, but, but, you know, you don't even feel like it's necessary. But we're telling you to do it so that it'll bring unity into the body of Christ. Oh, God. Hallelujah. And look what Paul does. Truly, oh, I'm sorry. I guess I didn't include it. But Paul, he does exactly what they ask him to do. It ends up actually getting him arrested. 
<laughs> but he gets arrested while submitted to his leaders. And even though he's the apostle to the Gentiles, he allowed the leaders of the church to tell him what he could do or not do. And he submitted under that. Remember, the ministerial office gifts must lead to the unity of the faith. Because if we break out of unity, it doesn't matter anyhow. We cannot move the mission forward without unity. So if we have that burden, that that passion of the apostle, we have to learn how to utilize that burden for the mission while also balancing that with humility and submission to the church and the church leaders. And if we do, 2 Corinthians 12 and 12 says, Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. If we will take a hold of that anointing of the apostle and get the burden and the passion for the mission and move the church forward, here's what we're promised, uh, that we would be noted. The signs of the apostle would follow us. It would be signs and wonders and mighty deeds. I believe God's called us to do mighty deeds in this place. I believe God's going to give us signs and wonders. Oh, but I feel like today somebody's got to say, you know what? I'll take on the mantle of the apostle. If we could all stand here today, I know this is very specific, and maybe today you don't feel specifically called to the fivefold ministry, but I still would like to challenge you to come down and pray because even if you're not called to be an apostle necessarily, you are still called to be humble. You are still called to be submitted. You are still called to the mission. You are still called to unity and I believe that God's still going to give you the signs and wonders and mighty deeds of the apostle if you exercise their humility and if you exercise their submission oh can we find a place down in this altar right now to call upon the name of Jesus and say God oh bring me to the unity of the faith Lord help me Lord Jesus to capture the heart of an 